For KBUT, I'm Chad Rich. The Gunnison League of Women Voters is a nonpartisan group of both men and women that hold meetings and create literature to inform voters of the issues. The national chapter operates the website vote411.org, where you can compare candidates and stances on other ballot issues. And you can even create a voting cheat sheet from a sample ballot. You can also register to vote and update your registration if you've recently moved addresses. Have you? Information about Gunnison County candidates can also be found at vote411.org. I spoke with Ellen Harriman, the facilitator of the Gunnison League of Women Voters at her home in Gunnison. She says the organization and chapter does study and take positions on issues. But for the purpose of this conversation, it's... Strictly information. Ellen, let's talk about uh, some of the items on the ballot this year. Okay. Language is tough, so let's break it down a little bit for him. Amendment 69, it's the first one we'll tackle here. It's a big hot button item. It would create a statewide health care system. What can you tell us about Amendment 69? Well, I can tell you the basic tenets of it. The major provisions are that it provides access to affordable health care to all residents of Colorado. The second bullet point is it establishes a governing board, first appointed and later elected to administer Colorado health care. It creates a taxing system to finance Colorado care and allows waivers to be obtained from the insurance exchange program to create a unique Colorado health care system. What are people saying that support Amendment 69? The people in favor are saying that Colorado Care will cover everyone. Obamacare has increased the number of people who are covered by insurance, but there are still, I've forgotten what the number is, but it's a significant portion of the citizens of the state that are not covered by any any kind of insurance. And it is very expensive for, I guess they're saying that the state of Colorado as a whole spends something in the neighborhood of $30 billion a year on health care and Some of that is to cover people who have no insurance at all. Colorado Care will expand access and improve the quality of health benefits. Children receive dental, vision, and hearing covering. And the proposal will provide health care to all residents despite their financial circumstances. Colorado Care will save money for Colorado residents because out-of-pocket expenses will be uh, less because there will be no co-pays for preventive care, and uh, primary care. The people who are opposed to it say that it will will raise $25 billion in new taxes to fund the state-level program. This is, and that's true, it it will, but it will also, uh, and the Colorado Care will be run by an unaccountable board of 21 politicians with no guarantee of content, area expertise, political balance, or diversity. It'll be the only group of elected officials in the state not subject to public recall. And it's a first-of-its-kind health care system that will be locked into the state's constitution, making it nearly impossible to fix or even update in the future. That's Amendment 69. Moving down the ballot, Amendment 70 would raise the minimum wage over the next several years. Can you tell us about Amendment 70? It will, by 2020, bring the minimum wage in Colorado up to $12 an hour. It's an increase of 
ninety cents an hour in January one, and then it will reach twelve dollars an hour on January one of twenty twenty in in ninety cent increments. It adjusts the minimum wage after that based on a cost of living increases. What are supporters saying? That low wage workers are falling farther behind in Colorado. Full-time minimum wage workers currently earn $17,000 annually, which is under $300 a week after taxes. The minimum wage has not kept up with the cost of living, especially housing. The majority of Colorado workers who make less than $12 an hour are women, and 86% are over the age of 20. So it's not uh, an issue that, that it's children or young people who are just making a few extra bucks. And there are folks against the passage of Amendment 70. What are the opponents to Amendment 70 saying? Well, there are two primary concerns. Small businesses will be hit hardest by this increase in the minimum wage, leaving them little choice but to let go or reduce the hours of low-wage workers, cut hours of operation, increase prices, or even close. And the, uh, this, this proposal is unfair to rural Colorado where the cost of living is different from large metro areas. Small businesses in rural Colorado can't afford to pay as much as towns and stores in urban areas of the state. So that's Amendment 70, raising the minimum wage. Amendment 71 would make it tougher to amend the state constitution. Why is this on the ballot, and what can you tell us about Amendment 71? There are 13 uh, states that allow changes to the constitution by initiative, by initiative petition and Colorado's has the lowest requirements of any. It only is a 5% uh, of the uh, signatures of a 5% of the, of the uh, registered voters. So the, this state has had many more changes in its constitution than, than most other states. The people who, are, who propose this feel that it needs to be made more difficult to amend the constitution by requiring at least 2% of the voters in each of the state Senate districts to sign the petition. Currently, all those, the signatures that are required could be gained on the eastern slope, and rural Colorado has not had much of a say about it. The second provision is that, it, that at least 55% yes vote cast by Colorado voters would be required to change a constitution. So even though we, have a, we still have 5% signatures, they would come from around the state and they would, would need more people to vote for it than just a simple majority. To repeal parts of the Constitution would still only require a 50% majority. And what are some arguments for the passage of this amendment? It should be more difficult to amend the state Constitution than to change a state law. The Constitution is a foundational document where changes made are nearly impossible to reverse. Requiring 55% of the vote for passage of a new constitutional amendment ensures broad public support for what is likely to be a permanent addition to the state's constitution. The current lack of geographic requirement for petition signatures allows the most populous metropolitan communities to dictate access to the ballot for constitutional amendments to the exclusion of the rest of the state. And those that are against the passage of Amendment 71, which would essentially continue to be easily amended. Yeah. The, the people who are opposed to it say that it is, uh, if a proposal is needed to correct an existing constitutional provision or correction, it would be more difficult to place on the ballot because of, a new, because of new, more stringent requirements. Requiring two thresholds for approval of changes 
is confusing, the 50% for a simple majority for repeal and 55 to pass a new constitutional amendment might make it confusing for voters and will make the process more expensive for true citizen initiatives. It's more expensive because they'll have to do more traveling around the state. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Chad Rich speaking with Ellen Harriman, facilitator for the Gunnison League of Women Voters. We're talking about what's on the ballot. Well, let's move on. Um, Amendment 72, it's the final amendment that everyone in Gunnison County is going to see. It would raise taxes on cigarettes. What's that for? Primarily to discourage people from smoking. It'll raise the the state tax on a a pack of cigarettes from 84 cents a pack to $2.59 a pack. Increases the state tax on other tobacco products from 40 to 62% of the manufacturer's retail price. It distributes the new tax money for medical research, tobacco use and prevention, doctors and clinics in rural and low-income areas, veteran services, and other health-related programs, and it exempts, exempts this revenue from the state's constitutional revenue limit. So it can't be, Tabor won't require the money to be returned. Could I guess what opponents are saying about this one? <laughs> It'll make cigarettes too expensive. Yes. What else are they saying? This proposal will raise the Colorado tax far beyond the national average, and any new taxes are not necessary. Unless amendment is passed, this tax cannot be changed if need for funds exceeds revenues. There will be a decreased revenue stream if consumption declines, and state program spending may not be ready for this decrease. This is a regressive tax because the fixed amount of tax on a pack of cigarettes represents a larger share of the income of low-income smokers than of wealthy and because low-income individuals are more likely to smoke. High excise taxes may increase smuggling from neighboring states with lower rates. This activity may encourage corruption among public officials and trigger violence against people, property, and police, as well as increase law, ne- law enforcement needs. So let's talk about what supporters say about passing Amendment 72 and raising taxes on cigarettes and other tobacco products. What are supporters saying? Smoking is the number one cause of preventable death in Colorado, killing more than 5,000 Coloradoans and adding $1.9 billion in health care costs a year. Smoking reduction has occurred, but there are still 650,000 adults and almost 24,000 high school students who smoke. The current 84-cent tax is lower than most states, and in today's economy, it does not make a significant impact on reducing smoking. Nearly every state in the country has passed cigarette tax increases, resulting in lower smoking rates, especially among kids, and increased funding for important health programs. The proposed $1.75 pack increase in Colorado will prevent more than 34,000 kids from becoming smokers save over 20,000 lives, and prevent $1.4 billion in future health care costs. This is the most effective way to fight this deadly problem and stop more kids from being addicted. Well, that's Amendment 72, which would raise taxes on cigarettes if passed. Let's move on. Proposition 106 would make it possible for people suffering from terminal illnesses to end their own life under the care of a doctor. What are supporters of 106 saying? Colorado's End of Life Options Act would allow terminally ill, mentally capable adult Colorado citizens access to medication that would allow them to shorten the dying process if suffering becomes unbearable. For most people with a terminal illness, 
hospice and palliative care are, not, are the right fit, but sometimes even the best care cannot relieve the pain and suffering, and, mo and people in that situation should have a range of options. The measure would take government out of personal end-of-life decisions and allow patients to make their own choices about their health care with input from family, doctors, and faith. Medical aid in dying is now authorized in five states, and the Colorado proposal is modeled after the successful Oregon law, which has been in effect for nearly two decades. And what are opponents to Proposition 106 saying? Passage of this proposal could lead health professionals, family members, and others to advise, encourage, or exert subtle pressure on vulnerable persons to request doctor-prescribed suicide. Insurance companies could also use this as a way to cut costs by denying payment for more expensive treatments while approving payment for less costly lethal pre uh, prescriptions. Healthcare facilities that do not prevent, do not permit end-of-life options may not be able to prevent doctor-prescribed suicides from taking place on their premises. A family member could engage in doctor shopping until compliant physicians were found. A consulting physician may be a colleague or employee of an attending physician. Once a prescription is filled, there are no safeguards to ensure that the drug will be taken voluntarily, and also the cause of death would not be accurately reflected on the death certificate. That's Proposition 106, which would make it possible for people suffering from terminal illnesses to end their own life under the care of a doctor with medication. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Chad Rich, speaking with Ellen Harriman, facilitator for the Gunnison League of Women Voters. We're talking about what's on the ballot. Proposition 107 would establish a presidential primary. Would this replace the current caucus system? Is that the idea there? Well, 107 and 108 are two parts of the same issue. 107 would create a presidential primary. There has been a presidential primary in Colorado. In the 90s, we had primaries. The primaries are expensive. It's like $5 million to run a primary. So when, the, uh, when that was proposed last year, the state legislature chose not to do it, primarily because of the cost. If we have a presidential primary, it will not necessarily eliminate the, the caucus system. If the state party central committees choose not to have a primary, they, as long as they, they vote by something like two-thirds, they can choose to just do the caucus system that we've had. The other, uh, so that's 107, which is just a presidential primary. And of course, that would allow unaffiliated voters to vote for the first time in Colorado during a, during a primary. And we're talking 108 well, would allow unaffiliated voters. Actually, both 107 and 108 have that provision. Okay. So 107 is, is strictly a presidential primary, which would allow unaffiliated voters to, to vote. Meaning I don't have to register as a Republican or a Democrat no. to select a leader. That's true. Okay. That's true. And the... Uh, those in favor of it, I, I think they're saying now that they're like 40% of the registered voters in Colorado are unaffiliated. So the primaries, uh, a closed primary, eliminates their participation entirely. An open primary has some of its own issues because in order, as a mail-in ballot, a totally mail ballot state, people who are unaffiliated 
will be issued a ballot that has both Republicans and Democrats, anybody else on it, but they're only allowed to vote for one party. So they could, their ballots could e fairly easily be invalidated if they, if they vote for candidates from both parties. So what are supporters of 107 saying? Why are people behind um, establishing the primary? <clears throat> this year, only 13% of Democrats and 6% of Republicans attended Colorado caucuses. Unaffiliated voters had no voice in nominating presidential candidates. A presidential primary will be open to all voters and will increase public participation in the selection process. The caucus system in Colorado has resulted in the selection of extremes from each party. If all voters are engaged in the selection process, more centrist, pragmatic candidates will be selected. Without a presidential primary, Colorado is largely ignored by major party candidates. And then why are people opposing? The political parties fund the caucuses, which are intended to be in intimate political gatherings that foster close relationships and inspire grassroots activism. The presidential primary will cost the state taxpayers $5.4 million in the 2019 and 2020 election cycle. Since the purpose of an or primary election is to select political party candidates, only members of the party should vote in these elections. And then 108 would allow unaffiliated voters to participate in a primary. What are some arguments for passing 108? Colorado already has a primary in June. It's a closed primary. This, so as, as opposed to a presidential primary, which would be held in March, this would be the, a primary for all other candidates. And it would be held in June as it has been held. And it would allow unaffiliated uh, voters to vote for county commissioner, all, all the other things that are not on the presidential ballot. And what are the supporters saying for 108? Turnout in primaries in Colorado is low. Just one in five Colorado voters in 2016 pick, picked candidates to run in November. Winners of closed primaries tend to appeal to the extremes of each party. We need more people involved if we want the best candidate options. More than a third, 37% of Colorado voters, as I said, I think it's up to 40% now, are unaffiliated and nearly 50% of voters age 40 and under are unaffiliated. It's not right to exclude more than 1.3 million Coloradoans from the primary elections. This is about fairness. Because all taxpayers pay for elections, no one should be excluded from the primary election. Including Everyone, including unaffiliated voters, should have a right to have their voices heard. And what are the opponents to 108 saying? Since the purpose of a primary election is to, is to select political party candidates, only members of the party should vote in these elections. Colorado voters already have the option of declaring a party so that they can vote in a primary election. They can change their status back to unaffiliated after an election. Opening primaries to unaffiliated voters will cost local and state taxpayers additional money. The state will have to produce and print separate ballots for unaffiliated voters. This may be a difficult financial burden on smaller and more rural counties. Well, Ellen, that's what's on the ballot this year for amendments and propositions. It's a lot. We're also voting on a president, a U.S. senator, county state senator, county commissioners, and so much more. So let's give a recap of how people can get informed at vote411.org. People can get into vote411.org, check on their status of the registration, change their address if they need to, 
look at the positions of all the candidates, compare them side by side, print a sample ballot so that they can have kind of a cheat sheet when they get their actual ballot, and gives you just a lot of information so that you can be informed. The issues we have to deal with are multitudinous. It's a big ballot, front and back, and I really encourage people to to vote the whole ballot all the way down, including the judges. Information for the judges is really only in the blue book, but it's well worth it's well worth the time to look at that as well. Ellen, I think we've done a pretty good job of covering a lot of the stuff on the ballot and giving people information on how to find out more if they need to find out more. I want to thank you for taking time and inviting me into your home here today in Gunnison to talk about the ballot issues. Well, I appreciate the opportunity very much. This is an important election, and I hope everybody will will participate. Thanks for tuning in to KBUT Community Radio for the Gunnison Valley. In hindsight, we realized we missed two amendments, T and U. Amendment T talks about eliminating what they call slavery and servitude in prisons, and U eliminates property tax on properties less than $6,000. Learn all about Amendments T and U, all other amendments, propositions, and about the candidates at vote411.org, which is sponsored by the League of Women Voters. Thanks to Ellen Harriman, the facilitator of the Gunnison chapter, for talking with us about ballot issues here today on KBUT. This is Chad Rich for KBUT.